Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Joe, I think we're live. Maybe we're live. I don't care anymore if we're live. We'll give it a shot. July 10th we'll edition of the Holy shot. Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Farrell, alongside Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor for Fightful MMA, Fightful Boxing, Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Everything. Make sure you do give him a follow online at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly, at Showdown Joe. Lots to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts, and I'm sure we will have some professional wrestling sprinkled in there. Uh, tons and tons of stuff went down at UFC 226, highlighted by Daniel Cormier, arguably the GOAT right now. We will discuss that, but he is now not only the light heavyweight champion of the world, he is the heavyweight champion of the world after defeating Stipe Miocic, who many consider the greatest heavyweight of all time. So, lots to discuss regarding that. Uh, and then after that, Brock Lesnar shows up into the cage, uh, courtesy of Daniel Cormier calling him in. Brock is now back in the USADA pool, apparently going to be able to compete uh, it's sometime early 2019. We will discuss that, that potential fight as well. What could be next for Daniel Cormier? We'll also discuss the co-main event uh, that many are saying is one of the worst fights in MMA history or UFC history. Um, I actually disagree because there was two that were worse, and we'll get into that uh, as well. We talked about Paulo Costa many, many times, middleweight, leading up to this event here. Uh, when he first made his UFC debut, uh, we informed everybody, pay attention to this kid because he's got some serious potential and we saw what he did in the Octagon this past week. And now people are waking up and seeing what he's worth. I know there's some bad stuff behind him. We'll talk about that as well. The Tough 27 finale went down one day earlier. And that was headlined by Israel Adesanya, who emerged victorious, who many people didn't realize how good this kid is. He is good. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, we'll preview some of the Bellator cards. We'll talk about the UFC Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, we'll do our previews and pros picks, courtesy of UFC Boise. Is that how you say it, Sean? Yeah. Boise and uh, Mary Renault is going to join us. So, are we on? I don't think we're on. We're not YouTube on YouTube. Right Piss off YouTube. Piss off Wirecast. We're live on Twitter and Periscope. That's what we're running on. All right then. Yeah. Get her done. So what do you want to talk about first? Today. Yeah. Well, you know. So, what do you? What do we? What do we get into? Uh, obviously, the biggest story: Daniel Cormier. Brock Lesnar, Stipe Miocic, you, we didn't have the opportunity to hear from you this weekend. Your thoughts on that main event? We talked about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it still has me in awe because I'm so happy and so proud for, for Daniel Cormier. Yeah, to be able to do what he did against Stipe Miocic is, is nothing short of absolutely awesome. But we knew this ahead of time. We knew if you go back and you look at what he did in the Strike Force tournament as a heavyweight, he wins that tournament but came to the UFC – uh, under the pretense that, you know what, his teammate, his training partner, Cain Velasquez, is to own that division. So Cain Velasquez is the heavyweight, and Daniel Cormier was, you know, sent down to 205 pounds. Did what he had to do at 205 po- pounds, minus John Jones. John Jones no longer in the picture. Cain Velasquez consistently injured. We've heard Sean Ross Sapp talk about that. 
uh, till we're blue in the face, excuse me, on this podcast. So gives Daniel Cormier the opportunity to go back to probably where he wants to be. He doesn't have to cut all that weight uh, and compete at heavyweight. Then he does what he did in less than a round. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's magical. It's fantastic. Just shows you how, you know, with a dad bod, how incredible this guy actually is. And to do that and to be in, able to celebrate uh, it. A dad bod in Olympic level wrestling. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just apparently a really good wrestler, right? So it just goes to show you when you believe in yourself and what you can do, it's magical. It's fantastic. He did it. Got to celebrate it with his family. Then, you know, grabs the microphone and goes WWE on us, calls in Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, more than happy to uh, accommodate, pushes him halfway through the octagon, which is absolutely awesome. But yes. Daniel Cormier is far from scared of Brock Lesnar. He's not only not afraid of Brock Lesnar, all he sees in Brock Lesnar is two things. A, an opponent. B, the amount of dollar signs in his bank account would be absolutely huge. So Daniel Cormier, to me, whether he's the GOAT or not, will always be up for discussion because of the asterisks that is John Jones and the asterisks, asterisks that John Jones is on performance-enhancing drugs when they compete where yeah. Do yeah, and Daniel Cormier was able to accomplish something that John Jones hasn't. Now, the wild thing, you know, a lot of people seem to think that John Jones might be over the hill by the time he gets back. Here's something to ponder, guys. Daniel Cormier, who just became UFC heavyweight champion and lost to John Jones twice, is 39. John Jones is 30 years old. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. That's nuts. Uh, so, as far as Daniel Cormier, one thing I liked is that he said that he noticed when Miocic exits the clinch, he puts his hands down and he capitalized on that. Yeah. That's his his impeccable game planning is a reason why I was picking him over Stipe. Because I mentioned a lot of times when Stipe knocks you out, it's on short punches, he's retreating. If you're retreating and you're off balance like that, then Daniel Cormier is taking you down. That that's that. He's such a, a high much more high level wrestler than a Fabricio Verdum who was able to to manage that, or even, you know, Alistair Overeem. This was an incredible moment, and I think it it puts him in the conversation. I think that really launches him up there in the conversation. Now, here's the question that I have, Joe. What would heavyweight have looked like the last three or four years had Daniel Cormier been there? Because yeah. he only left because of his buddy, Kane, who never fights. Would Miocic have this record? Would he have the title defense record right now, Joe, if he had stuck around? It's well, it's it's tough to say, but you no, know, it's it's difficult to predict. But based on what we just saw, the answer is no, right? Because you know, I mean, Daniel Cormier would be in the heavyweight division doing what he's doing right well, now. No, that's what I mean. Would Miocic or would Cormier have that record? It's tough to say, right? Because you could lean towards yes, because the guy has never lost to anybody other than John Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. He's never lost. Only John Jones is the one guy that has his number, right? Now, what Daniel Cormier is, what Daniel Cormier has done, has long been what guys like myself and yourself and many, 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 many other pundits and fans have truly believed is what John Jones should have been and should have done and should be right now. Yeah. But due to his own terrible decisions, is not. Is sitting on the sidelines, and someone else is living his dream. And no matter what John says about being able to defeat Daniel Cormier, whether you believe or not he was on performance-enhancing drugs, bottom line is John Jones is not competing. And a massive portion of his career 
is, is being taken away from him from his own doing. Whether it's an error right now, we can talk about USADA errors and whatever happened in his last fight, blah, blah, blah. But he's on the sidelines because of himself, technically speaking, while Daniel Cormier is living this incredible legacy and dream and may go down as the GOAT for, for the vast majority of the mixed martial MMA bubble. Right? It's crazy. So another thing that I'm pondering, how long will it be until somebody breaks Miocic's record? Because it's not going to be Cormier. It sure as hell isn't going to be Lesnar. Now, the thing that I, I brought up on Saturday, in baseball people ask, oh, what's a record that can't be broken and or won't be broken? And it, almost unanimously you'll hear people say, two no-hitters in a row because you'll have to throw three. And Johnny Vandermeer yeah. threw two. Yeah. At heavyweight, it took a long time. And it took some really good heavyweights until Miocic was able to get to three. That was a record, that number two, that nobody could get over, that hump that I think it was Couture, Lesnar, and Sylvia, maybe, that held that record. It was a long time before Miocic got to three. Now somebody's going to have to get four, to four to unseat him. And the way, as often as heavyweights fight, we're talking like a four- or five-year trek at this point to get to four. Because yeah. not only that, to break this record, Joe, you almost have to go undefeated as a heavyweight five or six years because you got to get to that title fight first. Then you got to win that title fight. You're looking at least at least four wins off the top of the bat right there, ideally, because usually people come into fights like this off a three-fight winning streak. Then you got to win four more on top of that. That does not happen a lot at heavyweight. No, no, it's it's going to be an extreme, especially with Daniel Cormier's age right now. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. This guy is uh, one Brock Lesnar fight away from retirement. Right, that's yeah. the final payday. Right, not the. I mean, well, fighting John Jones at heavyweight for the title is that one payday. That do you think that third fight with John Jones at heavyweight for the heavyweight title, if it was to go down, could be a bigger payday for Daniel Cormier than the Brock Lesnar fight? That's that's an interesting question because I don't know. First off, I don't know. I would believe that that fight with Lesnar would do more pay per view buys because it's Lesnar. And yeah. Lesnar has traditionally been a bigger draw than John Jones. Here's the thing. I had my wrestling coach say, Jones beat Cormier twice. I don't want to see him fight again. I do. Because this is at heavyweight. This is where Cormier should have been all along. John Jones is going to have more rust, more rust. And it's the end of it's, – it's, it's a different situation. And I want to see it. I really, really want to see it. Other things to consider. Okay. In that last fight with John Jones, Daniel Cormier was winning that fight. Daniel sure. Cormier was getting, or at least it was close enough to where John was really having to work and really get his timing down. John did figure it out and landed that beautiful, excellent executed, Bret Hart, excellence of execution, high kick that ended Daniel Cormier's night. Bret Hart Daniel never threw Cormier, high kicks. What's that? Bret Hart he never threw high, high kicks. kicks. I'm just saying the execution was just magic. I get it. Right? Um... The fact that he was able to do that says a lot about John Jones. But again, we can go back and say, you know what? It was on PEDs. Yeah. Right? So it takes a lot of things away from it. Right? Um, I'm not sure if you noticed. Apparently, there's a picture of, of Vitor Belfort looking pretty stacked. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he is. Yeah. Well, uh, we can get to that another time. He's out of that um, pool. Yeah. But Jumped into a big pool of syringes, probably. That's the pool he's in. So, I mean, it's, it's tough for, for me to look at Daniel Cormier... 
and 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 not be on a flip flight, you know, jumping on and off the fence or going from one side to the other and say, this guy's the goat. He's the goat. But there's that little asterisk of John Jones, man. That little asterisk of John Jones and the asterisk asterisk that John Jones was on PEDs, right? So tough to say, but in terms of what he can do, um, if you guys pay attention to Fightful MMA, there's a there, there's an article there. There's information that Daniel Cormier's next title defense will not be heavyweight. It'll actually be light heavyweight. Obviously, he wants to fight before he gets to fight Brock Lesnar. No matter what, if he, if he loses that light heavyweight, it's irrelevant. He doesn't lose the heavyweight title. He still has to defend that title. And by the time he defends the light heavyweight title, it'll give him enough time to recover and be ready to defend the heavyweight title versus Brock Lesnar, which by all accounts is the next heavyweight title fight. Yeah, and Curtis Blades told us he is not happy. He's very him. upset and... Uh, I had people ask me what was up with Curtis Blades in that interview. Well, he was fresh off of a flight from Vegas and insisted on doing the interview. And, I mean, he's had a stutter since he was a kid, so that's going to happen. People have stutters, guys. doesn't mean he's punch drunk or anything like that. <laughs> I, 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 simp- yeah, I sympathize with Curtis Blades, man. He deserves a title shot. And yeah. Volkov was closer to getting one than he was. Because Volkov was on standby for this fight. Clever, good, A-plus idea to keep Volkov on standby for this fight, by the way. I like that. We'll talk more about fighters on standby later. Brock Lesnar hit the cage, and one thing I've had a lot of people say is, Oh, it's worked! It's scripted! It's blah, blah, blah! You don't have to script shit with Daniel Cormier. He knows what he's doing. Joe, what was the one thing that made him happy when you all were in Buffalo and you all had cameras in his faces and mics in his faces. He he was miserable until miserable he was... Miserable until... Was it Straw? Mike Straw? Uh, Brandon Howard said, what'd you think of WrestleMania? Bingo! Lights just... His, his, he was just like, what? What? Wrestling talk? Yeah. Like, he loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, spit out the gate and the attendance and all this stuff. Like, that's what he... He loves that. He, he enjoys it. It's, it's an interest of his. And I think more from the promotion aspect because he gets it. He got in there. He cut a promo. I mean, how long did we hear him cut the John, Bro- John Jones promo in the cage where he said, get your shit together. Come fight me. He, he gets, gets it. it. He understands at a level that other people don't. And Brock Lesnar really gets it. You know, Brock Lesnar, historically, one of the two three greatest draws in the history of combat sports or MMA at least damn man they get it and it works and does it ruin the sanctity of the title no not really not really is it lame for some people yeah it sure is man I feel bad for Curtis Blades I don't feel as bad for Volkov they'll fight in the fall in December somewhere they should probably fight on that same card, to be honest with you. And um, always well, the best to do that. Always my, it's always my favorite. Well, here, of always here's having, the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. It might be best to have those two guys, Volkov and Blades, literally headline a show the following week. Because here's the situation we're in. <laughs> now this is going to sound weird. Saturday, that fight happens. Cormier, John, or Cormier and Brock Lesnar. Assuming Daniel Cormier is not fighting again after that, assuming, assuming that's his retirement fight, because he's put a hard March date on there, and I don't think he gets another fight in between January and March. On Monday, they announce 
oh, by the way, Volkov versus Blades is for the heavyweight title now. Because Cormier's probably going to have to vacate it if he beats John Jones. And he retires. That's, that's a way they could do it and <laughs> add some stakes, and it is such a UFC thing to do. <laughs> it really is. Hey, by yeah. the way, I know you had a heavyweight fight with these two guys on Saturday. By the way, you're getting another one on Saturday, and it's two different guys. Yeah. I can see them doing that. Yeah, I, I feel terrible for Curtis Blades. I definitely do. Volkov, I get. Totally understand it. But um, I, I almost feel after watching the Nganu, uh lewis fight that it was just gifted for Curtis Blades. Yeah. Here you go. You just catapulted up to title shot. Because those two guys, I don't know what they were thinking. But I shouldn't say anything about Derek Lewis. The guy was in pain. He had back spasm. I just know it that. It doesn't matter. He's... He's been told, lose 25 pounds and stretch your back, and he hasn't done it. Good point. Very good point. Yep, I'm not going to argue that. You're bang on. Now, to be fair, when you're, you're going in there and you're getting the amount of money that he got for that show, and he got, I think he got, let me see how much. It was a lot. Yep. Derek Lewis got $260,000 to throw about 10 leg kicks. Yep. And Gano got 100. I take that deal every day with back spasms. Yeah. Especially in heavyweight, man. And he had that one loss last year and has since then came back and he's made some money, man. Assuming that he had the deal that he has in place now, if he made $200,000 for his February fight against Tabura and two hundred against Nganu, you're looking at he, he's made over half a million dollars this year already. Between yeah. Reebok and bonuses and that. And he's 130, 130 for this fight here. So before that was probably 120 or 100, 100. Yeah. All right, what did we say last week? I got five on it. Derek yeah. Lewis. Yeah. What did we say last week? I got five on it. Daniel Cormier. What did we say last week? I got five on it. Was it Pakoda? I, I said that about? I said that about Uriah Hall, too. And that almost, hey, buddy, that, that Uriah Hall or Cormier Lewis parlay I was talking about. Almost came to fruition. Uh, let's talk, before we get into that, this Nganu-Lewis fight, the only word I can use for it is flaccid. <laughs> Just flaccid. I yeah. wish we... This fight, I, I'm convinced that John Jones is a time traveler. And that he went forward in time, and this fight made him so flaccid that he had to go get gas station dick pills. That's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I've solved it. John Jones, I figured out your defense. USADA will understand. Hit me up. Done. This it was horrible. sucked ass. Yeah. Well, um, I, okay, I, I might go on a bit of a rant here that, that may end up costing me some fans. Um, uh, may or may not. Whatever it is, what it is. I'm just going to tell you how as much as I can from what I know. Um, we don't often side with Dana White. I don't often side with Dana White. I understand when Dana White says certain things, but I can assure you that when Dana White had mentioned that Francis Ngannou has an ego problem, mm-hmm. I was watching and just naturally, without any effort, was just going, yep, yep, because in my experience with Ngannou, uh, and I'm not asking people to go and, and follow who I follow and who I unfollow, on social media, but I unfollowed Francis Ngannou a very long time ago. Very long time ago. This is a guy who I met in Florida, uh, courtesy of Kamaru Usman, 
who I thought was a certain type of person, quickly found out he wasn't, and had no business, could care less, following him anymore. I mentioned this on the, the post show. In the lead up to the Miocic fight, they had set up this PR thing where he would meet with 76ers center Joel Embiid. I think they're both from Cameroon or whatever, wherever the hell they're from. I don't know. But Francis Ngannou's first line of thought in, hey, I'm meeting this guy, this celebrity, it's good crossover PR, it's good for my country, is him looking at the guy and saying, I want to fight this guy. He said that. The first fucking words out of his mouth were, I want to fight this guy. Big seven-foot-tall, untrained guy. Okay, cool, man. Who who does that? Who acts like that? Who behaves like that? It was real weird, man. It was real weird. And so in his last performance, it was very clear he thought he was going to walk in and knock out Miocic and didn't prepare accordingly. In this fight, I don't know if he prepared accordingly or not because I didn't see him do anything. It was a horrible performance. It was the worst possible performance he could have after the performance that he had against Miocic. We thought after the Miocic fight, he would, you know, it's, it's a live and learn scenario. Yeah. Because he publicly stated he made mistakes and didn't believe that Miocic was that good. And then we find out from Dana White at this post fight press conference that in the middle of training camp, he took off and went to France and barely trained for the Miocic fight. Now, if that's not ego, if that's not, well, you believe in yourself way too much, I don't think you realize who you're getting into the cage with, that's another story altogether. So, in terms of Nganu, I stopped caring about him as a human being a long time ago and only focused on him being a fighter and appreciating the damage and the destruction he would bring to the octagon and, and the holy smokes, this guy's incredible. He'll knock your head off. Look at what he did to Overeem. That was the scariest knockout. I thought Overeem was dead type of angle. But from a human being perspective, could care less. Just can completely care less. Um, he, he showed his true colors to a lot of people a while ago. All the power to you. And it's funny because I'm the last person to believe in karma. I don't believe in karma. Uh, but it's funny when it actually rears its ugly head. It's like, well, maybe maybe karma's real, right? Because now you saw it because I, I, I kind of gave everybody the hint during last week's podcast. Uh, we were talking about Nganu and how this and that and blah, blah. He's going to get this win, blah, blah. And I posed the question to you and everyone in the live chat. And I specifically said, what are we all prepared to do should Nganu lose this fight? And it was just like we were brushing it off, right? And yeah. I just thought to myself, this is a guy that's got a lot to learn about life. He's been through hell. I get it. I respect it. I understand it. I empathize. I sympathize what he went through prior to coming to becoming a UFC fighter. But he's forgotten, in my opinion. Only my opinion. Not Sean Ross Sapp's, not Fightful, not Jimmy Vans. My opinion, I think he forgot where he came from. Completely forgot uh, and, and, and lost a lot of humility uh, and, the, and the importance of being humble yeah. from where he came from because he's done a lot of things on and off the record that I was like, you know what? You he had, he had so that. much goodwill that he wasted, I think, in these last two performances. Yeah. Uh, some other some good performances were Mike Perry against Paul Felder. Now, Paul Felder jumping up in weight, but good win for Mike Perry. Khalil Roundtree. <laughs> told, now, I, I said I thought he was going to be too well-rounded for Saki. I didn't think that that well-roundedness would result in a right straight down the pipe that flattened Saki. That was awesome. It seems like Roundtree is finally 
finally reaching some of that potential and hype that he had back when he was, you know, 25, 26 years old. And it's it's finally coming at uh, over the last year and a half because he stepped into the UFC. He lost two straight fights. He lost once on the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, and I think, oh, man, nine months he lost three fights, and now he's on a uh, four-fight unbeaten streak because the guy that beat him in December tested positive for clomiphene. So he's doing pretty well now. Also on this show, Melinda over Max Griffin, whatever. Drakkar Close over Lando Venata. Lando's got to pick up a win if he wants to keep his goodwill as well. Dan Hooker, his hype train continues with a knockout of Gilbert Burns. Of those fights I mentioned, which stood out to you? Because we also have some higher profile fights on this show to, to go through. Uh, the one that stood out to me, well, Dan Hooker and his post-fight interview was golden. Like, you don't go and knock out, Gilbert Burns is a bad man, right? And you beat him in two minutes and 28 seconds. And then I think it was Dan Hooker's post-fight interview where he says, I can't even remember the exact quote, I'm so sorry, but it had to do with something that the UFC is breaking a health and safety standard by putting these guys against me. (laughs) It's just golden. It's just complete and utter gold. Um... I, I mean, is it really a hype train now with Dan Hooker? Because he's proven it time and time again. Like, this guy's just fantastic. Um, but Khalil Roundtree, like, the only people that would have told you he was going to defeat Gokutsaki with a straight left down the middle would have been his coaches, his trainers, and any one of his teammates and maybe his family. That is it. The rest of the world was like, Khalil, under no circumstances do you stand and trade with this guy. You take him down to the ground, you take him out of his element. And you ground and pound him, or you look for a submission. Do not stand and trade with this guy. Well, 96 seconds later, he proved everybody wrong. So, is this Goken Saki that completely had zero understanding? All he did is he said, I watched the first 30 seconds to one minute of watching Khalil Roundtree strike. He found 30 holes in his game. That's cool. Khalil Roundtree found a hole in his game. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So... Kudos to Khalil. Good job. Anthony Pettis picked up a much-needed win over Michael Chiesa. Chiesa moving up to 170 because he missed weight. So Pettis, and I mean this was a big win for Anthony Pettis. He made $289,000, including the the amount that Chiesa had to forfeit. Then he got 50000 on top of that. Oh, yeah, that's a big win in the division. He keeps himself relevant because it was... It's been a long time since we've seen Anthony Pettis win two out of three, even at lightweight. It's been his 2013 to 2015 run. He needed this win. Michael Chiesa moving on up, but that triangle arm bar, it was smooth, man. Good for Anthony Pettis and Michael Chiesa for saying, oh, Conor McGregor cost me a title shot. Well, first off, no, he didn't. <laughs> he cost you a fight, and that sucks. But no, he didn't cost you a title fight. And also, were you going to miss weight for the title fight, too? How was that going to work? Uh, him being at welterweight? Sure, why not? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I've never been that much of a fan of Michael Chiesa anyways. Again, go back to my Ngannou comment. You know, some guys forget where they came from and forget, you know, life is life is too short to all of a sudden have, a, have this ego sort of thing. Chiesa is one of those guys, in my opinion, in my experience with him. You know, he's, he's one... 
he was one guy at one point, and now he's just completely other guy. And I was like, yeah, 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 no, 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 no. I'm older than you. You do whatever you think it needs Anybody to be. Anybody who goes career. off the deep end about somebody saying their mom is going to be at the show, man. Uh, Rafael Sunsal has won 11 of 12. The sad thing is he's probably not getting a title shot until 2019. Yeah. Marlon Marias is there. Rafael Sunsal is there. Meanwhile, Cody fucking Garbrandt is getting the title shot. Cody Garbrandt, who has not fought since he lost his title, nor did he ever def- successfully defend his title. But a Sunsal did exactly what a Sunsal should have done. And when. Man, here's the thing. When Fightful launched, this is this was a talking point for me. When he came in and he fought TJ Dillashaw, I said, man, he's missed a year and a half. He's coming off of a bad foot injury. How is he going to rebound in this division, especially against Dillashaw? Against Dillashaw, he didn't rebound that well. However, against Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Marias, arguably Marlon Marias, I think that Marias won that fight. Matt Lopez and Rob Font, he sure as hell rebounded. And if he keeps winning, he'll keep putting his name in that conversation. The Marlon Marias thing, man, that's a tough one because he technically won that fight, but everybody knows he didn't win that fight. Meanwhile, yeah. he's split two with TJ Dillashaw. He is about as in limbo as you can possibly be with this type of record. It, the only reason why he hasn't gotten a title shot is because he's a nice guy. Fair. Right? They want guys that are going to disturb the force, disturb the peace, disturb the pot, move that needle. And Asuncao, despite his skill level, despite he even said, I'm not finishing guys, but I'm winning, just isn't that guy. I mean, if you have you ever met him, Junior, uh, and Freddie? No. They're, the, the, all three of them, well, Junior, I don't know as well as Freddie and, and uh, Hafiel. Man, these guys are just gems they're gentlemen they're great yeah. guys who just happen to be professional mixed martial artists right it just doesn't rock the boat and in this day and age whether you look at daniel cormier whether you look at from the chael son to the td ortiz back in the day to you know conor mcgregor to all these guys you know Derek lewis if you're not winning by spectacular fashion i.e francis Ngannou, uh or you're not rocking the boat causing havoc you're, you're just not going to get that title shot unless there's nobody in front of you, right? So I feel bad for the guy. He deserves it. No ifs, ands, or buts, especially if you defeated Rob Font you know, on three straight scorecards, and I scored 30-27 as well. It was a dominating yeah. performance. He's just not doing what he needs to do. Can we go back to Anthony Pettis for one moment? Sure. What did you make um, when they were talking about how Anthony you know, explicitly told uh, the broadcast talent that, I made a mistake with all this wrestling stuff and trying to do this wrestling and wrestling this and wrestling that. I've abandoned it. I'm going to go back to what I do best, which is my striking uh, and my and my submission game. Forget about the wrestling. You take me down to the ground, I'm going to submit you. Uh, you can't take me down to the ground, I'm going to outstrike you. I first, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, buddy, I don't think you want to go to the ground with Kiesa, although you do have the skills uh, to prove otherwise. And then he goes and does this. He outstruck Kiesa, and he obviously outgrappled him. Well, I think it's funny where <laughs> Pettis, who uh, I think may have gotten his black belt this weekend, he was there with Karen Bryant, who said, You tapped out the jujitsu guy! How'd you do that? And I looked, and I think Kies is a purple belt. But I'm like, I, far be it for me to compare in cage grappling to jujitsu, but I'm like, what? 
okay, Karen. But also, whew, uh, I was reminded of the time that Karen Bryant tried to hug Ronda Rousey after one of her fights, and Ronda Rousey like left her out in the cold. We'll talk more about Rousey a little bit later, but that was just a couple of KB-related things. But <laughs> the Pettis thing, man, he's been through ups and downs, and if he thinks this is what's going to work out for him, and it does, then far be it for me to say, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that thing that worked for you for, uh, gosh, I don't know, seven years and made you lightweight champion while apparently you tried to change that up and you almost got bounced out of the UFC. So, Yeah. I, I Listen, great guy. I wish him all the best. When he's on, man, he's exciting. He finishes yeah. people. Uh, obviously, we can talk about the Matrix kick until we're blue in the face as well, but when he's on, he's on. He looks fantastic. So Vinny, we'll Vinny Fernandez says Marias is getting the next shot. Uh, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. If Cody Garbrandt wins, I do not doubt that they would run back Dillashaw Garbrandt again. And somehow factor Dominic Cruz in there as a special guest referee just to do it. <laughs> just hey, where did you see Vinny's it. where did you see Vinny's comment? Is it on the Twitter site? It's on Periscope, yes. Oh, Periscope. So, gotcha. Paul Acosta won his fourth straight UFC fight. He went one and one in in uh tough, but he's still undefeated professionally. Twelve and oh. I think they can go and they can headline a Brazil card with this guy. This was a good fight. The type of fight. Boy, I just want to say one thing. Uriah Hall's jab was real nice in this fight. You see that he has the tools. And, like, part of this makes me think, like, would he be a great coach or a terrible coach? Because the thing is, you know that he has the tools to do so many of these great things. It's just very rarely does he put them all together. But that jab, it was, he was spamming the jab. Yeah, pop. Over and over. Boy, this is a good fight. Costa was able to overcome some adversity. Uh, TKO'd a guy in Uriah Hall, who's a top 10 guy. Shouldn't have been a top 10 guy, but whatever. And he did the same to Johnny Hendricks. I mean, he retired Johnny Hendricks for now. Who was running the Twitter account that night? Kyler James, I think. (laughs) Some of the tweets were just like, what are you doing? It was awesome. (laughs) Well, Paulo's going to pop up probably to number nine, probably number eight since Tavares lost. Yeah. But that was a good performance from him. Let's let's keep it within that middleweight division. Also, probably a top ten guy now is Israel Adesanya, who defeated number eight Brad Tavares. I look at the 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 arc that MVP has been on, and he's been a prospect for seven goddamn years. <laughs> Israel Adesanya has been a prospect fairly. Re- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Recently, and he's like, I don't care if I didn't have a great performance last time. Give me number eight, Brad Tavares. Oh, and he just dominated Brad Tavares. in the only thing worth a shit on that tough finale show, besides watching Roxanne Modafferi elbow someone into oblivion, was Israel Adesanya's performance. That show sucked. It was a trash fire show. And you know how 
Like Joe Silva used to always say, if I don't know it's going to be good, you don't know it's going to... Yeah, I knew this fucking show was going to suck. I knew it was going to suck. Trezano and Janetti. Katona and Chuchinello. DeCirio and Marquez. Caceres Bravo. Modafferi Honchak. That is what props up your main event. I'm just sitting here thinking... Damn, bro. You couldn't have taken a Sun Sal font and thrown it on the co-main? You couldn't have put Hooker Burns on that? I will be so excited when Tough ends. I will be happier than a pig in shit. No, one more season to go. Doesn't exist anymore. Hey, are you cursing because we're not on YouTube? I'm cursing because... Because I... You know what? It's funny. I was, I was going to take the, the Matt Riddle advice of make your curse words mean something. Okay. I can't. Not after this weekend, man. Not after this weekend. There I just was, there was some weird stuff. YouTube and Sean Ross Sapp is losing his marbles. By the way, I watched The Comedian. I forgot his name on Netflix. I watched his special. And he did, he did the same thing that you do whenever you, you, you lose your marbles. You kind of take your headphones off and move your head away from the microphone and just yell at the top of your lungs. Every time he did that, Sean, I was howling. Everyone tuned in right now and listening later, I was, I'm like, that's Sean. And I started howling to the point, my son's like, what are you laughing at? So funny. Like, it's funny, right? I'm like, this is Sean. Anytime anyone does this now, it's just classic. So, um, yeah, but I, this card, like you said, um, didn't have much star power and it was, it was what it was expected. We have one more season of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, obviously with um, Bobby Knuckles. On one side, middleweight champ um, and Kelvin Gaslam on the other side. It'll be the final season of Tough. Uh, I don't know how much love they're going to put into the production on this. I assume it's going to be good, but Fuck. yeah, you know Robert yeah. Whitaker, you know his his one final push, I guess. But he's fine enough to get enough kind and, and good pushes in terms of pay per views. But um, what is that airing? Is that airing in, a, in a September October? Right? Yeah, some shit like that. Yeah, it's it's that's it. I don't think Vinny, uh, Vinny Fernando says Pena would have won the show if he didn't break his foot. I don't understand the reference because I don't watch the show. Yeah, there's no point in me watching the show. None. No. None. Trash. Trash. It's gone stale. It's gone. It's. I mean, I haven't. I didn't watch one minute of the season. I didn't watch any of the fights because I just follow the timeline and when it got to the ultimate fighter finale i'm like no unless something happens that raises my awareness that i should be watching there's nothing that caught my attention for i think the last bunch of ultimate fighter yeah. seasons i didn't even watch the conor mcgregor um uh, uriah faber season i was like I, I just don't care like i mean it's not i would rather be told hey you know what watch this titan fc event or this other mixed martial arts event or blah blah because that's where the fighters are coming from i don't need them oh, to be I, part of a reality show anymore it's done. i only watch tough 18 because a person that i knew was on the show that's it that's other than that i haven't watched it since 10 uh so you have seen well, i'm told fame. oh sean i'm told oh by the way a canadian won the ultimate fighter on saturday or on friday i'm like huh yeah a canadian with an irish accent there you go yeah. Never heard of him, don't know about him, wish him all the best, would love to promote him. Oh, be, my TV show's not on the air anymore. Okay. To be fair, a Canadian with a, an Irish accent also won the eating contest at last year's Blue Jays game, if you remember. In Nicola. 
she did. She did win, didn't she? She did. She recovered. So, what is it? She recovered. Oh yeah, barely. So, <laughs> UFC Hall of Fame. Ronda Rousey inducted. Hit the bricks right after and wrestled the next day. <laughs> Wasn't at UFC 226. Got out of there. The speech was short. Honestly, this was exactly how I want WWE Hall of Fame to be. WWE Hall of Fame goes five hours. This one went two. This was great. It was awesome. It was to the point. I thought Rousey came off very well, but your thoughts on on UFC's Hall of Fame presentation, I don't know how much of it you saw, but um, also just, some of the inductions. Let's talk about some of the inductions. Just clips. Just clips. I saw a bunch of clips. Uh, other yeah. than that, you know. Um, you don't need I'm, to I'm, see more. No, no, I'm I'm uber happy for Ronda, uber happy for everybody that gets in there. It's just it's 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 great. I wish we had a mixed martial arts Hall of Fame, not necessarily mm-hmm. UFC Hall of Fame. There's a big difference because you know at the top of my list is John McCarthy. That just goes without saying. Well, he he but, could end up in the contributor wing because they do have the contributor wing. Art Davey was in there. What did you think of his addition? Well, yeah, if it wasn't for his crazy gong show of a mind. To risk it all back then, we wouldn't be talking about it today. Yeah. Uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua against Dan Henderson. So my thing with this is it was an awesome fight, one of the greatest fights of all time. They didn't give this wing an induction last year and in 2014, but other ones are Hughes Trigg, Griffin Bonner, Coleman Williams. What I liked about this kind of prior was that at least one of the people in each one of these probably wouldn't have been in the Hall of Fame otherwise. Like, Bonner's not making it in, Trigg's probably not making it in, and Williams probably isn't making it in. And I like that. Both of these guys are getting in the Hall of Fame by themselves. In fact, Shogun might fight for the title this year, for the love of God. Well, that's who, that's who uh, Daniel wants. And, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. So that fight, more than worth it. But I don't know if you agree on that approach that I mentioned. Like, I think it would make a little bit more sense to have somebody in there who wouldn't get in there otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I mean, I like the fact... See, the question is, when Daniel Cormier comes out and says, I want to fight Shogun, that's a champion. That goes back to when Anderson Silva was in his prime calling out Michael Bisping, who had no business getting a title shot back then. Uh, it's the champion saying, that's nah, an easier fight. It's an easy payday. And I can, you know, for Daniel Cormier... He's probably thinking, not only can I beat him, that looks great on my legacy, beating Shogun, right? Because not everybody will potentially think that Shogun is not the same Shogun who was killing it in pride. Yeah. Right? So, and, you know, even when he became the world champion here, it it took a bit of work, right? So, uh, I get it, but um, it makes sense. I mean, I, I, what I would, I mean, you and I would love to see Cormier and Shogun because Shogun's there. Like, he, believe it or not, this guy is getting a penalty shot. Right? And that's that's why it bothered me so much that they moved Ozdemir out of that fight. And I'm like, Shogun is should be closer. But I get it. Ozdemir and Gustafson are around a little bit longer. Maybe. I don't know how long Gustafson will fight. I, I'd, Shogun's I'd be fighting shocked. Anthony Smith right now. I'd, yeah, I'd be shocked if the Ozdemir-Gustafson fight actually ends up happening. Uh, also, Ronda Rousey makes it into the modern era wing. Yeah, of course. And I think it's a good way to kind of move past Ronda Rousey, too, even though most people already did. It's a good way to close the Ronda Rousey MMA book. It's the ultimate way. Without having people having to do the Carano shit, like, in six years. Oh, she hasn't fought in six years. Should she come back and fight? She's in the Hall of Fame. Not as likely to happen. 
Yeah, no, it's it's so fantastic. She'll always go down in history as as this trailblazing pioneer. No ifs, ands, or buts. Um, again, we can tie this into the Hafiel Asim Sal uh, argument that he, if he could do, figure out some way to catch Dana White's attention, he'll get that title shot or Sean Shelby's or McNainer's, right? It's Ronda Rousey was that lightning in a bottle, perfect time, able to convince Dana White otherwise that women belong in the UFC, women belong in mixed martial arts, and look at what it's done for the sport. So, um, I mean, have you had a conversation with anyone saying that Ronda Rousey doesn't belong in there. Some idiots that don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and just, one of these I, snarky assholes. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like in real life when I have conversations with people, whether it's UFC or mixed martial arts related, or you know, soccer related, or just life in general related. I've, I've you know, it's been a good four or five years now. While I'll have a conversation with someone, and something so stupid comes out of their mouth, where it's just they're adamant and passionate about it. And I I don't even reply, Sean. I just like, oh yeah, cool. I'm going this way. This conversation, yeah. and I can't sit there and have a conversation with someone who's so lost. Um, if you came to my face, anybody, and said Ronda Rousey does not belong in the UFC Hall of Fame, conversation over. That's it. Walking away. Yeah. Oh, cool. Thumbs up, bro. Pam, sis. So, gotta in, go. Speaking of pioneers, Matt Sarah got inducted, but in the pioneers' wing. That's a little curious to me. He fought in 1999, which is fairly early days, but didn't fight in the UFC to 2001, and didn't enjoy any real semblance of success until much, much later, the tough era. Now, here's the thing: as if you're talking, does he belong in the Hall of Fame? If Maurice Smith is in there, Matt, or, then Matt Sarah's in there. Maurice Smith was a 14-14 and 14 MMA fighter and won the UFC heavyweight title, defended it once against Tank Abbott, and then lost it. So I'm, I'm fine with Matt Sarah being in there, especially if you're using the WWE method as your benchmark. But him as a pioneer, what do you think of that definition? Does he fit that definition? No. I don't think so either. No, he's not a pioneer. What he did at UFC 69 versus George St. Pierre... Is it was UFC 69, right? I think it was. Um, was the stuff of, of legend. It's 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 Rocky Balboaish, you know. Despite George, not you know George didn't respect Matt. Didn't even barely train for that fight. Got got served a nice piece of humble pie. That's a whole pie. Won only one fight after that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? But, yeah. The the other thing we've got to take into consideration here is you know Dana White absolutely loves Matt Serra. Right, like just adores him and thinks he's an absolute disaster because Matt Sarah is a disaster. That guy will, that guy will make, he will literally make you pee your pants. That's how funny he is. Half the stuff that comes out of his mouth, half the stuff that he does in public, Sean, you'll die. Like you'll die. Like he, the way he treated my team and we went down to the gym, especially with Ray Longo, those two guys are something. Those guys need their own reality show. They need their own podcast. They're crazy, but. He's close with, with, with Dana White, obviously, and that kind of gave him some credence to get in there, right? Do I think he's a pioneer? Not necessarily, you know? Does he deserve to be in there? Bah, he won the world title. Ballsy enough to defend it in George St. Pierre's hometown, the UFC 83, right? So yeah. kudos to him. All the power to him. I got to admit I am very excited for the show in Boise. It's <laughs> a good card. Like the 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 first fight is Aguilar Escapel. You have 
Carmouche and Jennifer Maya. Justin Scoggins on the show. You got Volkanovski against Elkins. That is such an underrated fight. Wineland, Alejandro Perez. But then on that main card, listen to this main card. Randy Brown, Nico Price, whatever. You got Zingano versus Renault. Jury versus Chad Mendez. Dennis Bermudez and Rick Glenn. Northcutt versus Atau. Junior Dos Santos against the guy I've been touting yeah. forever. Blagoy Ivanov. Let's hear first off from Marion Renault, who will be on this show. And she's a, a well-rounded opponent as well. I mean, she does have ground and wrestling, and her striking um, is more Muay Thai based, but it is is very good. So um, it's it's one of those things that hey, you know, I'm taking what they're giving me only because there was nobody else available at the time. Um, I think Ketlin at the time was injured and other girls had things already booked and I'm not sure what's going on with Jermaine. So it's just, you know, it was the only thing available or I would have to wait until the end of the year and I wanted to stay active. And, and how much more is it difficult where you have, you know, fighters in the bantamweight division, you know, dropping down or, you know, some, in some cases they're moving up. Like, has that made things more complicated in terms of booking fights? It has just because they're, you know, I'm at a at a point where I want to fight eventually for the title. I'm at a point where, you know, that's that's my main goal. Like I'm knocking them down as I come just because that's my goal. Obviously, that's everybody's goal. Um and it's hard when girls are dropping from the top 10 and then there's nobody available. I mean, Juliana Pena just had a baby. Um Holly was fighting at 145. Um, me and Sarah were booked, but we don't know what's going on with Jermaine, and she's up there too. So it's just kind of like um, what's going on with the division. Can we get it settled down? Can we get it back on top? Can we get it back on track? So um, I'm hoping we can. Yeah. Uh, how do you see this fight playing out on July 14th? I mean, you're going to get your hand raised, otherwise you wouldn't have taken the fight, but how do you see it unfolding? It's going to be a battle between two badass moms, for sure. <laughs> I like that. And, That's and, awesome. So, yeah. So it, it's going to be a battle, uh, and it's going to be nonstop. That's going to be both of us, nonstop, um, obviously. You know, I, I feel I'm going to get my hand raised. She feels she's going to get her hand raised, so it's just whoever wants it more. There's a lot of confusion right now, both in the 145 division and in the 135 division as far as title shots go. Do you feel like a win here against Katzengano gets you that title shot? Mm, ideally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ideally. Ideally, that, that would probably make the most sense um but right now my focus is 100 percent on cat so i'm not trying to think anything past that or past my opponent um i have to knock down what's in front of me and cat right now is in front of me i need to knock that down and jump through one more hoop and hopefully you know it'll fall where it's supposed to fall so let's talk about this show and it's a damn good one you got Eddie Wineland, who keeps finding himself in the top 15. He's on the show. Justin Scoggins, who is potential unfulfilled right now, on the show. Liz Carmouche, who I'm actually looking for to make a bit of a run in this division. Because I I can't, I think, I feel like I had her winning over Alexis Davis. Can't remember. Can't remember how that went. But also you have Jessica Aguilar, who if she doesn't win... You have to wonder what's left for her in the UFC at the very least. I'm sure Invicta would love to book her six times a year, every show that they have. She's got to make the weight, though. Go not go through that crap again. Yeah, exactly. So we gotta, we're, we're going to find out something about Aguilar. Can she make the weight? Can she still compete? 
And I mean, my God, she's had like every fight pulled. It, it, there have been trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble with uh, Jessica Aguilar's UFC career from injuries to weigh-in issues to just performance. I'm looking forward to that. Her and Carmouche on the fight pass prelims. But outside of all that stuff, Eddie Wineland, Perez, that's a good fight. Darren Elkins versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Holy shit. That should have been on the tough show last Friday. I Why not, man? Elkins yeah, is 6-0 and oh, or six, won six in, a, six in a row. Volkanovsky won four in a row. I'm ready for this fight. This is a good fight that nobody's talking about, Joe. Of course. It's just the way it is, man. It's the way this mixed martial arts bubble is working right now. It's still no matter what. Even if you're you're a fringe fan on the outside, you don't know who Alexander Volkanovsky is, it's Darren Elkins. If you paid attention to what Elkins has done over his past few fights, you just want to watch. Not to see him get his ass handed to him and then come back and win. The dude just doesn't go away. You know, he, it's not. I'm not saying he's like. It's it's like another version of, of Cowboy Cerrone. Like a guy just keeps fighting and fighting, will not go away. So this is going to be a fantastic fight. 145 pounds. I can't wait to see it go down. How about this? Volkanovski is a minus 345. Elkins wow. plus 285. I got five on it. You have to put five on it. Anytime you see Darren Elkins as an underdog, just put five on it. Do everybody a favor and put five on it. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead yep. and do it. What else we got on this show, uh, at least from a betting perspective? Scoggins at a plus 138. To be honest with you, that's not enough for me to put five on it. It really isn't. Wineland at plus 180 might be. Might be. Here's one that I got five on. Miles Jury plus 185. Chad Mendez minus 225. To me, that's five on it worthy because we don't know what the hell Chad Mendez is going to look like. He's going to walk in there covered head to toe with psoriasis, not knowing what to do. And I've got psoriasis. It sucks. He can't even take care of that shit anymore. Uh, for the record, I don't have psoriasis. Um, and yes, you put five on Miles Jerry because we don't know what Chad Mendes is going to bring to the cage. He hasn't competed since 1984. So it's been a while. Um, we don't know exactly what he he's, he's going to be. He's not going to be the same Chad Mendes as before. He might be, maybe in the first round, and because they're smaller fighters, maybe the second round. But Miles Jury brings the heat. Miles Jury is going to have reach here, and if Miles Jury and what are you going to do? Take down Miles Jury? Okay, yeah. take him down. Miles Jury's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, right? Provided he doesn't get concussed, Chad Mendes is in a lot of trouble in this fight. And being a minus two twenty five favorite, I like the Miles Jury number, right? Now, for all we know, the bookies who set the odds and the fans that continue to put money on Chad Mendes, driving it, driving these two guys further apart in the odds, maybe they know something we don't, Sean. But yeah, I got five on Miles Jury for sure. This show is real good. That Jury Mendes fight is good out of curiosity. We heard from Mary Renault. This is a big fight for her, too, even though she has earned a title shot, in my estimation, against Amanda Nunez. It should be her. I don't know what the hell's going on with Amanda Nunez. To pick a fight, too, by the way. Yeah. Against against Zingano. Yeah. So, Nunez uh, beat Pennington 
couple months ago, but we haven't really heard what's going to go on with her. No, no word on Cyborg. But Zingano's lost three fights in a row. To me, I don't know why you book this shit. Why would you book Kat Zingano has not won in four years against Marion Renault, who is riding a four-fight unbeaten streak. Well, first off, I have Renault winning the fight. But this is puzzling booking to me. Oh, I mean, I'm excited for the fight, but it's puzzling. Weird. I, I, I don't get half the bookings to do anyways, right? And it yeah. goes back to the conversation we had months ago about how I wish there was there was a weird sort of transparency or a bracket to let us know the meaning behind fights. What is the meaning behind this fight? And if the yeah. UFC would just simply adopt that, whether they go to ESPN, ESPN does it, but ESPN may not have a say whatsoever uh, in the UFC matchmaking, which I doubt. But the UFC could do themselves a massive favor. So could Bellator, you know, so could Titan and Ryzen and blah, blah, blah. Just to make things far more transparent, to learn from the stick and ball sports, the big four sports, and, and look and say, this is a meaningful fight because. Not just a random fight for no reason. This to me seems like a random fight for no reason, other than the fact that if Renault can get a victory, it solidifies her title shot. I'll tell you one I got 10 on. Rick Glenn and Dennis Bermudez. Bermudez, keep in mind, Bermudez has lost three fights in a row. He is two and five in his last seven. He currently sits at a minus 245, while Rick Glenn is a plus 205. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Also, uh, I got five on Blagoy Ivanov. I knew you was. Obvious. I've been singing his praises for a long time, and I think there are a lot of questions about Junior Dos Santos at this point. He hasn't been in the cage for a long time. When does he get old? You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's the thing you got to wonder. Hasn't put together two wins in a row since 2011 and 12. Part of that's because he can't get in a damn cage. He's taken a year off here. He hasn't fought more than once a year since 2013. But... Let's hear what the pros think. Junior's going to win, I think, potentially he's probably going to knock him out in a five-round fight. And um, I saw the other guy fight in World Series, and he's kind of sloppy, you know, and he's going to and he's going to get, uh, as those rounds go on, and assuming they get to the second, third, fourth round, whatever, you know, the technique goes out the window. I think Junior Santos is too fast, he's too athletic, and um, he has too good a takedown defense for this guy to really do much. The only thing, I think the only thing he can really do is maybe land a big overhand or something like that, but I, I see Junior winning pretty pretty easily. I don't know much about the Bogoyo, uh but, I mean, I'm just a, a super fan of uh, JDS since the beginning. Uh, I mean, I've been a fan of JDS forever, so I, I'm, I'm a root for him, but I don't know much about this kid. He, he could be walking into a to, into the bus all. You know, if they're giving him JDS and nobody heard his name, it's got to be for a reason. Yeah, I don't know too much about the guy, but he has a pretty good record, so... He can't be a bum, obviously. Uh, that one, I'm going to reserve the right to not pick right now because I don't have any information. It should be a good fight for Junior. He's been gone for, like, what, like a year now? But it's a good one for him to get get the ring rust off, you know. The Junior's fighting the guy that is making his UFC debut. Although I think he's a, a lifelong Sambo expert, and he also beat Fedor in Sambo. Um, 
Never heard of him. There's no way I could pick against Junior DeSantos because of that. So he might crush Junior. Who knows? But I'm going with my man Junior. Junior's chin, a suspect. Uh, so I, I'm going to go. I don't even know how to pronounce the other guy's name. But. Uh, Dos Santos. I love Dos Santos. Oh, yeah, dude. People sleep on his hands, man. He's a sick boxer. I think if Junior DeSantos, you know, shows up, good camp behind him, healthy, I, I, I see him winning. But uh, I don't know. They're heavyweights. You know, they hit hard. Whoever lands the first clean shot could be could be the winner. Almost nobody giving Ivanov a chance because they don't know who he is. Uh, my favorite was, I can't remember who it was, that said that he might have trouble getting down Junior Dos Santos. He beat Fedor in combat Sambo. We'll see. I'm excited for the fight. Can't wait for it. But that's not the only set of shows this weekend, and I'll be talking more about these on the post show I do this weekend. Bellator's got a couple of shows. Steve Cazola, who's a hard-hitting guy on the prelims. Gerald Harris on the prelims against a 19-0 opponent. Uh, I'm looking for big performances there. But Chris Honeycutt. Dudu Dantes against Michael McDonald. And then you have a title fight. Julia Budd against Talita Noguera. That's a pretty damn solid show for Bellator. Well... Uh, the co-main, first of all, those two those pre, two prelims fights are going to be fantastic, especially Gerald Harris yeah. is going to have his hands full. That's yes, that's going to kill ourselves, okay? Uh, the co-main event between Dantes and McDonald, really, I mean, hopefully McDonald doesn't injure himself, but... Exactly. This is going to be fantastic. I, oh, I'm surprised, he's, I'm surprised he's fighting this soon after his first fight, because I thought for sure we were looking at another 16 to 18 months. Yeah. And then, of course, Julia Budd, you know, defending her title... We saw what happened in her last fight. It was just a bunch of Lance Ginson, Lance Ginson basically saying, what are you doing? Fight. Yeah. Fight. Fight. And, you know, if Talita Naguera puts the pressure, I, we don't know what happened with Julia leading up to this fight or leading up to that, sorry, leading up to that fight, what happened on fight day mentally, blah, blah, just not being able to pull the trigger. Um, but by all accounts, you know, Talita Naguera is no joke. If she, put, if she tries to bully Julia Budd, you can take that title. Now, if Julia Budd, the old Julia Budd shows up, ah, it's going to be a fantastic fight. Let's not kid ourselves, right? But we just don't know based on what we saw in the last performance. You got to get Noguera to the fight, though. That's the yeah. thing. They were supposed to fight in 2015. This fight was supposed to happen three and a half years ago. Right. And uh, Noguera had a knee injury, and she wasn't even scheduled. I mean, Noguera's been under a Bellator contract since 2014, and she's had one fight. Think about that. I know. 2014, because in 2016, she was supposed to fight Marlos Kunin. She missed weight. Then she was supposed to fight, I think, August of last year, and Gabriel Holloway pulled out, but fortunately they were able to get Amanda Bell in there. And beating Amanda Bell got her a title fight. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, all due respect to Amanda Bell, she's... Yeah, I remember her. She was she was beating all the horsewomen. She was beating like Jessamine Duke, and uh, <laughs> she beat Marina Shafir. She beat some of those girls, but I don't think that gets you a title fight. I think Julia Budd's gonna win this, but man, she's got to she's got to do something to stand out. Dantes and McDonald, I'm excited for. Chris Honeycutt, excited for. Those Bellator prospects are working out. Their process yeah. is working out. We saw it recently. Ed Ruth and Tyrell Fortune win again. And they're they're not just winning and beating people they shouldn't beat. They're they're looking good, and that I I appreciate. 
So the next night, <laughs> you, you already see it, don't you? You got it yeah. pulled up, don't you? Yeah. Why don't you brief us? Uh, one of the many favorite Pitbull brothers of Sean Who Ross we Sapp. have an exclusive interview with on Fightful.com. I always like to surprise you by putting that as the main event of our show when it happens. But <laughs> it was too heavy on the translation. I couldn't. But yeah. he's facing Daniel Weishel. God almighty, stop booking him in rematches. Andre Koreshkov is on this show, too. I hope Pitbull wins so he doesn't have to fight Weichel again. Alessia Sakara on the show again, too. Uh, I'll talk about those fights on the Boise post-show. It's going to be a fun time. I am really excited for the Boise shows. but Whew. And uh, here's a little, uh, not breaking news. Ronda Rousey gives her take on Daniel Cormier. She says, yeah. right now, I think he is the best in the game. That's high praise. High praise. Uh, I don't think he's the best in the game, but it is high praise. I think she's bang on. I think Mighty Mouse is the best in the game. Yes, sir. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, who I'm sure everyone is thinking, why didn't this fight with TJ Dillashaw take place? But Cody Garbrandt got it. Obviously, this is negotiations behind the scenes with the UFC, but Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson is pound for pound the best fighter in the sport, in my opinion right now. I don't think there's any way that Dillashaw versus Mighty Mouse, no matter what they paid Mighty Mouse... The, the, the amount of profit they would have made off of that pay-per-view as opposed to the pay-per-view they're putting on next month. I, I look at that and I'm like, come on now. Come on now. You could have done Garbrandt and Marias on the co-main. Uh, who's Mighty Mouse fighting next month? Henry. Henry Sudo. Okay, fine. All due respect to him. You put him on there on the, the undercard against anybody. All of a sudden, you've got a decent-looking show. What is what is this show? UFC 227? I'm going to take a glance at it. Here's the thing. I don't even look at most UFC shows until two weeks out for obvious <laughs> reasons. For obvious reasons. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, I will, be, uh, I will be out of town that night, so I might have to get James Lynch to do a post-show. But the show right now has Dillashaw Garbrandt, Cejudo Johnson, Gustafson Ozdemir, Swanson Moicano, Shoeface against TBD, because Brunson pulled out of it. Uh, so we don't know how that'll work. Munoz against Brett Johns. That's a decent one. Betch Cohea against Irene Aldana. Whatever. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one of those shows that has a decent main card. Because I think that's, that's a hell of a top three. Uh, and Viana against J.J. Aldrich. That's, that's a good fight too. Decent. Decent. I just can't wait to see Betch Cohea. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, piss off. Come on, you love her. Piss off. She is so funny. I it's mean, kind of. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, but when she takes a nap on the Straight Outta Compton logo. That is one of the most iconic yeah. things ever. Man, I have never seen such a bad fighter make it so far. And she did it. She did it by beating Horsewomen, too. Yeah. Had she not yeah. beat the Horsewomen and a retiring Julie Kedzie? Well, yeah. Julie, she owes Julie Kedzie some royalties. Oh, boy. Because yeah. she got her first win over Julie Kedzie, and people are like, whoa, she beat Julie Kedzie. And Julie Kedzie, man, I love the woman. There are few people as entertaining, as funny as her. But, I mean, Kedzie was riding a three-fight losing streak and was on her way out. It was her last fight. Yep. And she, beat, ba- she beat a Baszler and Duke who were crippled, 
crippled by Edmund Taverdian and his training. And what, what have we seen since then? She lost to Rousey, lost to Pennington, drew with Mary Renault. Renault should have won that fight. Got her head knocked off by Holly Holm and won a split decision over Jessica I. And by God damn it, I'll let Jessica I's own words speak for how things should reflect on that. Who boy. That's yeah. Jahea. How did we just, get this yeah. far? How did we fall this far? Joe, it's been two years since Fightful launched. Our birthday mm-hmm. was this week. I'll never forget. Uh, I I met you that week. And you said, how long do you think this show will last? Ah, probably an hour. Probably an hour. I think we went two hours that night. Yep. Talking MMA because there was, I think there were three events that week. There was, that week was crazy. Yep. Three events that week. This, this... I can say this. This International Fight Week was not that International Fight Week. No, no. No, this was a... The, the only good thing about this International Fight Week was the main event for the tough finale uh, and everything UFC 226 minus the co-main event, right? But what Daniel Cormier did uh, and the way he did it uh, and some of the other fighters just kind of just... Whew, I'm still... I'm still like, I feel like I haven't recovered yet. The high, the high is still there. Every time I think of DC, I get a big smile on my face. Right, the guy's just fantastic. So, Fightful MMA has your hookup. I believe the Fightful MMA Industry Podcast is back this week. I think FightfulSelect.com. Head over there, check it out. I'm doing the UFC rankings breakdown when that drops. Also, I've been posting some articles early access. You had the James uh, Vic and the Gerald Harris interviews up early. Check it out, guys. Until next time, we're out. By the way, we will get this up on YouTube later. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.